Hey, one more thing before you go. According to the Oxford Dictionary, a shaman is a person regarded as having access to and influence in the world of good and evil spirits, especially among some people of the Northern Asian and North America. Typically, such people enter a trance state during a ritual and practice divination and healing. Shamans heal the sick, help bring success hunting, fishing, or war, and work for spiritual balance in the community. In this episode, we're going to learn what a shaman is, how that shaman can help you transform your life when you are looking for something that's missing, help you heal, move forward in a positive way by having a conversation with the spirit doctor. She's a transformational shaman, a medium, and a psychic who's going to help us understand the existence of the metaphysical and the multidimensional worlds we live in. I'm your host, Michael Hirsch. This is The Thing About the Shaman, the Medium, and the Spirit Doctor. My guest in this episode is Kelly Sparta. She's also known as the Spirit Doctor, and we're going to talk about that. She's a transformational shaman working with high-performance people to unlock the hidden aspects of their potential. She teaches motivated people to master their energy to create next-level results. Kelly works with her clients to uncover and remove hidden blocks, resistances, and beliefs that keep them from happiness and success. She uses her skills as a transformational shaman. We're going to talk about that, too a coach, energy healer, psychic, medium, channel, and an empath to accelerate positive progress in people's lives. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me, Michael. This is great. I'm really happy to have you here. I think you've got what such a diverse, interesting background. I can't wait to kind of, kind of uh, unfold your life and for everybody so we can see what kind of gifts you bring to the world. Well, it's a good thing that I'm not in the interrogation box, right? <laughs> well, you know, we if, if you know, realistically, I, I, you know, we could if you want to. I could, I, I can fall back into that mode, change my voice, and you know, good. No, that's fine. I, I can even play. I can play good cop, bad cop, all within myself. Oh, yay! So kind of, see, it works. You know, where were you? Hey, hey, be nice. Would you like a cup of coffee? Are you are you okay? Naya, she can't drink. You can't drink that. <laughs> so yeah, we can. We're going to have a good conversation. I I'm really excited. Uh, like I say, you've got a, such a diverse background and um, and what you accomplish and what you bring to people in this world. Uh, I've listened to a few of the podcasts that you've been on, and uh, you know I'm really excited uh, that you uh, are a guest on mine. Well, I'm excited to be here. It's always uh, fun to to have a new and interesting conversation with somebody who's actually got a clue, right? Well, at least I try to. I, I try. <laughs> I, I'm a trained observer of life. There, there you go. There we go. Trained go. observer of life. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I like to kind of unfold people's uh, life as they, as they start. So let's start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? Well, that's actually a longer story than you think. My, my mother was military. So my parents divorced when I was like five and she went into the military and I lived all over the country. 
So I was never in one school for more than two and a half years, and we were constantly on the move. So I lived in Maryland, Virginia, Louisiana, California, Hawaii, Connecticut, New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts, and now back down in Virginia. You can make a song out of that. I know, right? <laughs> Somebody asked you that again, you can just rattle off the song, you know. I, I kind of can, yeah. It would work. Yeah, it would work. <laughs> so you have any brothers, sisters? No, no. Only child. Kind of boring that way. That's okay. Did you go to college or university? I did. Uh, I went, I started off at University of California, San Diego and finished up at UConn, University of Connecticut. What'd you study? Uh, a little bit of everything. I started off as a theater major and then I went to economics because they didn't have a business degree at UCSD. Mm. And then I took a break, got married, and then uh, went back and ended up with a degree in Bachelor of General Studies with concentrations in communications and project management. Ooh, ah. It's a diverse education. It is, yes. It's a diverse education. That's, I confuse people when I tell them, I say, well, you have a master's degree in what? I said, I have a master's degree in interdisciplinary studies with a focus ah. on digital media and performance. And they say, Okay, that's cool. What are interdisciplinary studies? I said, well, you just kind of take a bunch of things and you study this and this and this and then see how it all melds together. Yeah. And what they one do is make coaches, it official. Yeah. One of my coaches has her PhD in interdisciplinary studies. And oh, her, she actually did her PhD on transformational dynamics, which was oh, um, how ritual transforms the lives of groups. Oh, that's really interesting, actually. I've yeah. never heard of that. That's really, I used mine, I, I really, when I left the police department, I got more involved in creative field and filmmaking and acting and, you know, song, dance, music, healing, and the use of like uh, uh, the creative arts and healing. And I kind of got really interested in that, in utilizing stuff like music and drama and art and uh, dance in order to uh, help people heal, move forward, especially in grief or in any kind of physical pain or mental anguish and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting when you can kind of take a, a wider approach at learning how everything can piece together to help somebody. Yes. Which is yes. kind of what you do at everything that you, I'm pointing. People don't see me pointing to my notes. But. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, I, I've done a little bit of what you're talking about. I've done physical work with people. I was certified in shiatsu and did, you know, I've done somatic work with people. And, you know, uh, we were talking about Kathy a minute ago. She's the one who got her into disciplinary studies. Uh, she's one of my coaches and she does family constellation work, which is very much about, um, it comes out of psychodrama. And so that's actually right along the lines of what you were talking about as well. And, you know, I come out of theater, she comes out of improv. And so we bring all of that to the table when we're doing our work as well. So, you know, we often say, look, you know, the work that we do is deep and rich and sometimes very hard. And so you've got to have fun while you do it. And so we make sure that we have a good time along the way. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. That's the only way to do it. Right. You got you to kind of take life Take life as it is, but try to come at it from a perspective that's uh, positive. Absolutely. Negative. Yeah. One of those, one of those things. Well, you became a shaman. So tell us, help us understand what a shaman is. 
Well, so the first thing I'm going to say is if you ask 100 shamans what a shaman is, they're going to give you 100 different answers. So <laughs> let's start with that. Uh, I am a transformational shaman, which is a very specific kind of shaman. So I, I'm not doing sort of the traditional shamanic things. I don't do uh, fire walks. I don't do sweat lodges. I don't do uh, spirit medicine, you know, plant medicine work. Um, but what I'm doing is I'm helping people to transform. And I'm doing this by utilizing energetic archetypal as well as mental emotional processes to take you through the process. That's really interesting. I, um, I have met several shaman within my career. Number one, uh, the area that I worked in as a police officer, we had a, a huge native American, um, community there. And I had met, uh, uh, the, one of the very few medicine men, legal medicine men within native, Native American community nationwide. And uh, he's actually helped me in several areas, but he also introduced me to other shamans. And yeah. they all, like you said, they're a little bit different. And each one of them does something a little bit different. And one helped me with my arthritis a little bit and helped me with understanding plant nutrition. And that's mm -hmm. why primarily I'm a vegan to help me with my rheumatoid. Yeah, so it's pretty yeah. cool. Pretty cool. Well, and that's, that's kind of how it works with shamanism. <laughs> well, you, you, how did you get into that? I mean, what, what kind of, I know that you're also an energy healer and um, mm -hmm. you're a psychic medium and a channeler. So, you know, we can, if you don't mind, can we talk about each one of those? Sure. Uh, so you asked me how I got into it. So I'll, I'll tell you that story, which is, uh, uh, let's see, where do I start with that one? Uh, when I was 28, I had built the American dream. I had the trophy husband, the big house, the dog, the successful business. I was, um, you know, president of a Habitat for Humanity affiliate. And from the outside, my life looked really perfect. It looked very successful. And from the inside, it, I was miserable. I hated my life. And, you know, for those of you in the know, 28 is when your Saturn return happens, when Saturn comes back into your chart, the same place it was when you were born. And it tends to create things like midlife crises. <laughs> and so every 28 years, it happens. And so mine happened when I was 28. And I just, I looked at my life and I was like, this is not what I wanted. This is the American dream. I did the checklist and it is not what I wanted. And I just destroyed everything. I divorced my husband. I had him take the dog. I'd sold the business. I quit the nonprofit. I sold my house and I moved out of state to live with a bunch of people I met at the Renaissance Fair, who, as it turned out, all turned out to be shamans and witches, uh, which, you know, who knew? And so at some point during the near the end of my tenure there, I was there for about four years where we did a lot of healing work with each other. And somewhere near the end of end of, end of my tenure, I went to get something out of the basement. And it was one of those old Victorian houses that you have to sort of feel your way through and find the pull switch in the middle of the room. And uh, I was trying to find the pull switch and I walked into a spider web and I went, whatever it is down here that I wanted, I don't need this badly. I'll come back in the morning. And so I went back upstairs and I came back down in the morning and there were no spider webs anywhere. And wow. I realized that there had been no spider webs on me when I came upstairs the night before. And I went, Oh, 
So I asked my roommate, who was a shaman, and I said, uh, uh, this just happened. And he said, oh, you better listen. Grandmother Spider is calling you. And I'm oh. like, uh, what does that mean? Right? <laughs> because I didn't even know what a shaman was at this point. Mm. I just knew he was like, you know, one of the guys that I worked with who knew a lot. Right. And, um, and he, he said, yeah, he said, um, yeah, you, you're going to want to listen to that. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And how do I do it? And, and he explained to me that grandmother spider was seeking me out and was claiming me, which is how shamanism works. You don't generally choose shamanism. It chooses you. It like throws you on the ground, grabs you by the throat and says, you're mine. It's kind of how that or flies. Wraps you in a spider web. Yeah. Or wraps you in a spider web in my case. Right. And uh, so, you know, he sort of oriented, oriented me to the, the concept and I started working with Grandmother Spider as my totem and uh, shortly thereafter ended up on Walkabout doing a, uh, uh, the, the, about halfway through the journey, I, I went to a festival and ended up getting a tattoo to Grandmother Spider to, as a dedication to learn how to walk my walk the web of life gracefully before I learned how to weave it was the intention. And I had arranged for two people to come and hold space for me. And both of them within 10 minutes of each other said, I've been up all night at the fire circle and I, I have to go to bed and I can't hold space for you. And I was like, okay. Right. <laughs> it's like I wanted somebody to hold space for me. And that is like, well, that's not going to work. So I went to wake up the uh, tattoo artist who had also been up all night uh, or most of the night. And uh, as he was getting ready, I was like, well, maybe I'm just not supposed to do this. And I look inside the tent and there suspended from a single thread in the center of the tent is a spider. And I went, OK, so maybe I am supposed to do this. And she crawled up and disappeared. Wow. Yeah, that, you see, I, I have arrested two of America's most wanted, right? My wife kills the spiders in the house. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm sitting there, we're getting the tattoo ready. And this woman comes by and she sits down and starts chatting. And I'm like, Oh, chat, 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 chat. And finally, he's like, Okay, we're ready to get started. And she looks at me and says, Do you mind if I stay? Now, I had no idea who she was. And I said, well, okay, you can stay. I looked at her really hard before I decided because, you know, whoever she was was going to be bound into that tattoo if I, you know, had the tattoo done in ritual space, which I was doing. And uh, I, I, I surprised myself by saying yes. And then he said, okay, state your intention again. And I said, you know, to learn to walk the web of life gracefully before I learned to weave it. And she looked at me and said, isn't that funny? And I said, what do you mean? She said, that's what I'm doing here. I, I have a booth and I spin my own thread and I weave my own cloth. And that's why I'm here as I'm selling my wares. And I just burst into tears as the tattoo started and he started toning and she started toning. And I was just gone on a vision vision with my, my uh, with Grandmother Spider, with the, my toe. And uh, I was just so grateful that she had sent me someone to take care of me in that process and to to be with me and i i was like oh thank you for deeming me worthy thank you for deeming me worthy and she literally backhanded me across the room and i'm like what 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 did i do and she said get up and come over here and look and there was this big uh well 
uh, I, we were in a, a gray stone castle and there was this big well coming up out of the ground that's about three foot high and about, you know, four foot around. And there was this big spider web in the center of the well. And she said, you see that thread right there in the middle? You see that one right there? She said, the one that's all frayed. She said, I shore it up because it needs shoring up, not because it's worthy. There's nothing to do with being worthy on this. She said, you do it because they need it. And she said, I never want to hear the word worthy come out of your mouth again. It's completely irrelevant. And so that was my shamanic initiation. <laughs> That's amazing, actually. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly believe in the universe puts you where you're supposed to be at the time you're supposed to be there and that we all are interconnected in some ways. And that just kind of substantiated a little bit more that uh, that's fact, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So with with this um, uh, enlightening that you had from, from that perspective, um, mm -hmm. from from your perspective as a shaman, I mean, what do you bring to the table? I mean, you said that people bring different things, you know, people, you know, the plants or the, the energies or whatever. From what aspect do you come from? I'm an initiator. I carry the energy of change. So mm -hmm. when people are ready for significant change in their lives, they show up. Oh, very interesting. So then I'm, that's, I'm sure, how part of your coaching kind of intertwines within that. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's precisely what I do. I'm, I'm constantly helping people to evolve their sense of self, to up-level their identity, to peel back their limiting beliefs and to get back to the core of who they are at the same time, working to improve the way they see themselves. That's a positive, that's a very positive thing, actually. How did, um, does energy healing come involved in that or is that something that uh, evolved Sometimes as you went? Yeah, um, no, the energy healing came before. Uh, I've been, evidently been doing energy healing since I was very, very small. Um, I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I remember the first time I was exposed to Reiki, uh, the guy said, you know, my hands are burning, that somebody in the room needs healing. And I was like, is that what that means? Because my hands have been burning my whole life. I remember my entire childhood spending time um, you know, putting my hands on the cold part of the desk to cool them off because wow. I was running energy so much my whole life. And so um, that's just part of who I am. You know, I did get trained in Reiki and I did a bunch of other stuff along the way, but um, I've been doing it for as long as I can remember. For those of us, I mean, I, I understand what Reiki is, but for those of uh, the listeners or our viewers that don't understand what Reiki is, could you help us understand that? Absolutely. Uh, Reiki is a form of energy healing uh, and it is a uh, energy itself. So it's both. Uh, the concept is that you are tuned into or attuned to a particular uh, frequency of energy and that that energy is then able to be channeled through you to others. Uh, it's, it's probably the most common form of energy healing that people know of because it's been around for a really long time and it had really good PR. And what kind of, um, I mean, what kind of things can be healed with that kind of energy healing? Like, uh, is, it, is it, I mean, I, I'm not trying to trivialize this because I come from a chronic pain my whole mm -hmm. life, pretty much chronic pain. Um, but it, can it handle chronic pain? Can it handle anything deeper than that? 
Uh, I don't do a lot of Reiki anymore, and I haven't for about 20 years. Uh, but um, I know people who do pretty much everything with Reiki. Um, but most often what you see done with Reiki is uh, energy clearing, clearing the chakras, working with, uh, you can actually, there's psychic surgery that can be done with it. You can do distance healing. You can do, um, yeah, there's, there's a wide variety of things, but you know, what you get, again, it's dependent on the practitioner and their skill level and how deep they've gone and, you know, what they're willing to do. That's interesting. I mean, you, you just mentioned psychic. Um, I know that you, in your bio, you are a psychic and you're also mm -hmm. a medium. Now, I understand yes. the difference, but uh, you know, there, there is a distinct difference between a psychic and a medium, and you can be both. You can be a psychic yes. and a medium as well, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. A psychic is someone who picks up information from either the ethers around you, from the Akashic records, from other people. Uh, and a medium is someone who talks to the spirits that have crossed over. Now, Akashic records, I, I, you know, I heard that term quite a bit, but you know, that what an interesting, uh, prospect. So, uh, everybody's got Akashic records, right? That, Absolutely. It, yeah. It's kind of a life. Is it like a, a laid out life plan for us? Uh, plan is an interesting term for it. It's so if you think about it from a, a physics perspective, quantum physics, there's a zero point uh, space, right? And within the zero point space is everything that ever has been, ever will be. And, you know, time does not exist. It, everything is the eternal moment of now, right? So if you think about everything being the eternal moment of now, the Akashic records are the record of the eternal moment of now. And so it's everything that, has happened and will happen in your life, but it's not really necessarily a, a plan. It's a record of what your choices are and what they may be if you change them sort of thing. Right. So it, it actually can shift and move. So part of your, part of your coaching and when you take a client on, for example, when you work with your shaman and you work from the, the, um, that arena, uh, do you take mm -hmm. into consideration things like uh, checking the Akashic records? Not generally. Not generally. Um, I will check the probabilities. Uh, so, for instance, sometimes uh, if I'm doing an energy scan on somebody, if I'm checking their chakras and looking for where the wounds are and what, what the blocks are that are keeping them from going where they want to go, I will test and say, okay, if we shift this here, how does that impact the energy field? If we shift this here, how does that impact the energy field? And so I may test four or five different options before making a recommendation for the path that the person needs to take, just because it, it allows me to see how it cascades through their field, because most people don't have just a block here. They have a block here, a block there, a block there, a block there, and they're all interrelated in some fashion. What a unique approach to life coaching, uh, in my opinion, as a unique approach to life coaching, because you you come at it from the perspective of uh, of uh, mind, body, soul. I think, mm -hmm. am I incorrect? And in, in, no, in, that's totally true. Yeah, yeah. The way you're moving the blocks around, and your people can't see me doing this, but the way you're moving, <laughs> my hands are down here going everywhere. Um, so yeah, what an interesting perspective. So when you take on a client. Uh, let, tell me the process. So you take on a client, 
and how do you read that client and how do you piece all that together? What, what implements come into all of that? So it depends on how the client comes in. So some, some clients will come into the main process and they'll come in and do a program with one of my coaches. And so uh, then that will be the starting point there is they'll work on this. Uh, the initial program is called Interpeace 101, finding emotional safety, which is the very first step to uh, um, doing any sort of inner work. And that's, that's an important piece. So before I answer the other part of the question, I want to address this because what often happens when people start into spiritual work is they try to do the shadow work first. They try to do that inner deep level work of stuff where you're, you're digging out all the, the buttons and the, the triggers that are sending you flying. But if you haven't done the earlier stage work first, then that work will either not work if you have good self-preservation skills or it will work, but it's likely to re-traumatize you. And so, you know, one of the things that's so important is making sure that you do the work in the right order, that you find emotional safety first, because if your day-to-day -day life is too stressful and you're constantly feeling like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop or somebody to be mad at you, or you're always anxious and always, you know, upset or potentially afraid that somebody's going to be upset with you, right? If your entire life is spent in anxiety mode and worry mode, then you don't have any bandwidth to change because you have to leave your comfort zone in order to change. And your comfort zone is already so uncomfortable that you're just going to rebel and go, uh-uh, I got enough, right? And so that's why you have to address that piece first. And that's what finding emotional safety is about. It's, it's about getting yourself to the place where your day-to-day -day life is not about anxiety and worry. It is literally like half your stress level uh, as it exists now. You will be at half the stress level when you're done, right? And then the second step is to solidify your energetic container, to solidify your sense of self. This also solidifies your power base and your ability to believe in yourself. And so when you do that, now you have the ability to hold the work that you will do in the shadow work area. And so it's so important to do these things in order. And so if somebody's coming in and they're new, they're going to come in through this process, through the Inner Peace 101 program, where they're going to learn how to maintain their energy field and how to work with fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and deal with inner and outer judgments. And then they're going to work on things like how to, uh, how to hold your energy field so that you're not stuck with other people's emotions being all over you, how to clear your energy field, how to protect your energy field, how to protect your house, uh, and, and how to talk to your guides. And all of these things are things that you do in order to create a sense of safety on an energetic level, in addition to the sense of safety that you're working on in the mental emotional level. And so if somebody's coming in from the beginning, that's how they'll go. If somebody's a little further along in their process, and they've been studying this, this stuff for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, and they don't want to have to go through from the very beginning because they've done a lot of the work already, then they will come in through the Evolve program. And I'll, I'll begin with them with an energy scan. And I'll say, okay, let's see where you are in your process. I'll fill in the gaps on anything they've missed from the first couple of programs that I run. And then we'll start 
on the shadow work with them from there. It's really interesting that yeah. from a transformational side point of view that you help these people move forward, do you typically only work with people who want to change their life from a business perspective or can it be from any perspective in their life? Um, the vast majority of the people I work with are working for their personal well-being. I do work with business owners and with people who are, you know, upper end corporate uh, executives and director level. Um, but uh, the vast majority of the people that we're working with are people who are looking to evolve themselves and to improve themselves. Have you noticed from that profession, have you noticed um, a, a, a huge change in people wanting to transform and grow from something <laughs> or change their lives? Oh my God. Yes. I've been, I've been in this field since uh, I've, I had my retail store open in 1999. So it's been a long time. 20, 20 some odd years. I, I retired yeah. in 1999. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was a 22 year. Wow. I've been out of a job for 22 years. Uh, <laughs> right. So it's been a long time. And I was, but, but I still this. look 25, right? I <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 22. <laughs> 22. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, the realization so, you know, made me think about that 22 years off the job. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I still yeah, have my so, hair, so it's good. <laughs> go figure, right? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, so, I've yeah, I've been doing this a long time. And, and um, you know, my mother raised me in the New Age movement, so I've been involved in this since I was like five or six years old. So that's, you know, 45 plus years. And, uh, yeah. and um, I will say that in all of that time, I have never seen as many people flocking into spiritual things uh, as they have been in the last four years. And it's only accelerating each year, um, which is not surprising. I mean, the pandemic has been a forced hermitage. Yeah. And so, you know, whenever you force people to be alone with themselves, they realize what they're not happy about. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. 100%. That's a fact. I know that, you know, watching the news the other day, they were making uh, comments with regard to 4.25 or 4.2 million people have left their jobs because they just said, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. They realize that I just don't want to play your game anymore. And I'm going to go do something for myself. And I think they call it the read of it. Was it the, the great read? resignation? Yeah. Thank you. Great resignation. Yeah. And it, uh, it uh, amazing, you know, it, there's a, there are those of us that sometimes are forced to reinvent our lives. I was fortunate to reinvent mm -hmm. my life. And, when I look back on it, I miss being in law enforcement. I miss being a cop. I was a good cop. I enjoyed my job. I went into it for a reason. Uh, there, there are people that I worked with, people that worked under me and beside me that went on to long careers, commanders, captains, lieutenants. Um, the um, people I trained went on to be lieutenants, captains, and commanders, and assistant chiefs and chiefs. You know, and I thought, you know, I every once in a while I reflect back on saying, man, you know, I, my life could have been so much different. But it allowed me to reinvent my life in such a way that I have a wider reach than I ever would have had with the police department. Right. You know, I, I this podcast has been heard in 59 countries, and I never would have had that opportunity as a cop to do that. Although I did affect people in a positive way when I was a cop, too. And, and I respect that. I, I, when I say I respect that... I, I have to respect it myself. See, I, that was my job then. 
This is my job now. I respect what I did then. I respect what I do now. And it took me a while to figure that out. Um, and I may not have made that change. Whereas we know that in today's day and age, like the 4.2 million people that did the great resignation, they made a, a cognitive choice. Uh, I'm done with this and, and decided to move their life in a different direction. And a lot of them probably did it without the guidance of somebody like you. You probably went, right. see ya. <laughs> you know, you know I, I have to say that's one of the things that is hardest in this world right now is when I was coming up in this work in the 70s, in the right. 80s, you would buy a book you would go to the back of the book and there would be an order form in the back of the book and you would order the cassette tapes right. for, the, for the classes, right? And then they'd put you on the mailing list, which was a snail mail list. And then you would get notification when the author was coming into town and you would do a live event with them, right? And it was slow and tedious in some, <laughs> to, to get progress, but you always knew that the people who were showing up were real seekers, People who right. really were doing the work and, and had a clue, right? Today, that is not the case. Every Yahoo is out there saying, you know, oh, I'm the great Houdini, whatever, and I know it all. And they're, they're putting themselves out as these gurus who know things. And, and really, they're just great marketers, and and they they haven't done a lot of spiritual work. And so I feel bad for people who are waking up right now because it is so much harder to to separate the wheat from the chaff, you know, right. in 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 the spiritual world. And there's so much more content, but you don't know what's information and what's misinformation. And so right. it's really difficult. I um I'm very discernive when I uh, bring somebody on that says that they're a psychic or a medium or a shaman. Um, I vet them first. I kind of exercise my ability to research their background to make sure that whoever I bring on here, because I also understand that, you know, this medium that we have now that's instantaneous, mm -hmm. that's available at a click of a button. You know, yeah. you don't want to spread the wrong information out there because misinformation can damage and hurt somebody, especially if, you know, I, I have I interviewed a couple of people that halfway through the interview, I went, we're done. I'm sorry. This yep. is not going the direction that I want to present for my listeners, um, which is a positive thing because my listeners understand that my viewers understand right. that, but you're correct. It's one of these things, even when I, when I was on the job, you know, we used to um, uh, investigate um, the psychic down the street, quote unquote. That was, you know, I was that psychic. <laughs> yeah, but but what I'm, I, I've been one, investigated. You were investigated. <laughs> I have, I have, I, 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 I promise kinda, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. No, no, no. <laughs> this was in Taunton, Massachusetts, so I doubt it. <laughs> But yeah, they, they made me get a fortune teller's license and, and go through the whole nine yards. Yeah. Well, because anybody, anybody can go out and say, I'm going to read your tarot cards and charge it 20 bucks or 50 bucks. And then they go, okay, well, yeah, this and this, and you got something dangerous coming up. So it'll be right. another 20 bucks. I'll tell you what that is. And those oh, are the no, kind it's of people. That. It's, it's, you know, you're cursed and I need $1,500 to take the curse exactly. off. Exactly. That's that, I'm like, exactly. oh man, that's the worst. Exactly. Right? So those are the kind of people I investigated. 
So, yeah. you know, I get to that point where they're going, they took, you know, this much money from me saying they were going to do this and do that. And then, you know, they hear nothing from them. And, you know, so it, you've got to be very careful in this day and age. It just, yeah. it just really, um, it just, it just, you just got to be careful. Um, how do you know, what was the first time you noticed that you were psychic? <laughs> well, so psychic, I would say, hmm, I was probably hmm, 15. Uh, and I had a boyfriend who was in Hawaii and I was in California and out of, uh, out of the blue, I could hear him talk to me in my ear as though he were right next to me. And I was just like, okay, that's a little freaky, right? (laughs) You know, the mediumship I've known for much longer. My mother said I was talking to ghosts in my crib. So that that's been around a long time. Uh, But the psychic, the, the first time I proved to myself that I was psychic, I was, I was 28. I was in, I was going to the spiritualist church and I had a friend. So I, I had a friend that I used to sit with the church and he and I would, would do our um, discussion uh, as so part of the service in a spiritualist church is mediumship. And so they will do mediumship from the pulpit and give different messages to different people. And I inevitably would get additional information, which I would then track the person down at the coffee clash and say, well, for whatever it's worth, I got this too for you. And I would hand it off to them. And so my friend ran this, uh, educational class that he would do two hour class every week. And he brought in different people to teach different classes. And he called me up out of the blue one day and said, uh, can you come teach a class tonight? And I was like, what? <laughs> it's just like, um, he said, well, you know, my person called in sick and I don't have anybody to teach the class. Can you come teach something? And I was like, uh, well, I'm taking a class on Shiatsu. I could teach what I know from the class. And he's like, perfect. Okay. And so I'm like, okay. So I went and I'd never taught a two hour class before. And I ran out of things to talk about an hour and a half in. And that was the sum total of everything I knew. And I had nothing else to say. And he said, well, why don't you do readings for everybody? I was like, oh, no, 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 I don't do that. I don't have my cards with me. I'm like, tarot cards, I could do all day long, no problem. But a cold read, I'd never done. He's like, that's not true. You, you get information all the time at church and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, 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 I don't do this. And I finally agreed to do it. Uh, with the understanding that absolutely everything that came out of my mouth was probably wrong. And everybody was like, yeah, that's fine. And I, what's really funny is that now I don't remember most of what I tell somebody, uh, you know, shortly after I've done the reading for them back. But I still vividly remember every single reading I did for somebody in, for each of the people in that circle, none of whom I knew. And I remember because it shocked me so badly that I had so much information about them the moment I tapped into it. And so that was the moment that I recognized that I was actually psychic, that I proved it to myself. And you were how old again? 15? 28. Or 28. At that time you were 28. You noticed noticed it when you were 15 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a one-time, you know, thing that happened and we were like, Oh, that's cool. But you know, it, it wasn't enough to prove to yourself, right? Everybody goes through a prove it phase in their process. And, and it usually takes, you know, eight or 10 or 12 different experiences before somebody starts to believe it themselves. See, I always told my daughters, I'm psychic. So, you know, as they were growing up, I know everything that you're doing. <laughs> 
I know every dad knows everything. So, you know, there you go. So be careful. I'm looking over your shoulder as we speak. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. That's cool. So you, uh, you also, you brought up medium and you had mentioned, you know, medium and that you had uh, been talking to ghosts since you were in the crib. Good thing you had an open-minded mother because a lot of people would shut that down in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. Well, my mother had been psychic in her youth and had, it had scared her. And so she did shut it down for herself and she never managed to figure out how to open it back up again. And so she was absolutely dedicated to the fact that it was not going to be the, the same way for me. Do you remember so, talking to ghosts when you were that young? Uh, mm, not really. I mean, I was two. So, you know, right. it was a long time ago, but, um, you know, I do remember seeing a ghost in my room when I was 15 in California. I woke up and there was a prospector standing at the foot of my bed. That's and a wake up I call. Could, yes. <laughs> and I was, uh, so I'm blind as a bat without my contacts. And yet I could see him clear as day because, of course, he's a ghost. So it wasn't about how my physical eyes could see, right? And so uh, I woke up, screamed because there was a man standing at the base of my bed and he disappeared from the waist up and just left his legs behind. <laughs> He's sort of like, take that. <laughs> I think he was scared too. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You scared the, scared the half a body off the, the ghost. Scared the torso off of him. <laughs> yeah, take that, take that. He was so fast, he took off without his bottom half. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that's pretty funny. So, <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. So, you, uh, on your mediumship, um, that, just to help uh, us all understand, I mean, I again, I understand, but just to help us all understand it. As a medium, you hear messages or something from the other side, uh, mm -hmm. or somebody, you know, from the other side for other people. That's a mediumship. Yes. So basically you, you're a translator. So do you see ghosts at that time or spirits or do you just Most hear them? Most of the time I see them. That's, you know, it that's gotta be, I mean, this is going to be a strange question, uh, but maybe not. Um, I mean, what is that like being able to see these people, see those ghosts? Do you see them out of the blue or do they just show up? Um, or So it's a mind's eye seeing. It's not a physical seeing, not like it was in when I was saw the prospector, but the prospector, I saw him like physical saw him. But for most of these people, uh, if I'm seeing them, I'm seeing them in my mind's eye. So it's all, it almost feels like you're imagining it. Mm -hmm. And the difference is that when you go to describe them, you're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly who the person is. Right. And so, you know, I remember uh, recently, well, recently in the last few years, uh, I went to an event and a woman was, you know, came up to me and she's like, Oh, I just need to know my brother's okay. He committed suicide and da, 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 da. And, and he came barreling into my consciousness and was like, would you tell her to just let it go? He's like, it's been years and she needs to just let it go. And, uh, wow. and of course I looked at her and I was like, he is yelling at me that you need to just let it go. And she's like, Oh my God, that sounds just like him. I said, he's so frustrated with you that you will not take the answers that he's given you 15 other times and you need to just let it go. He's fine. 
He says he's fine and you need to just stop. <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds just like him. <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, we can yell at you from the other side. So just yes. remember that. <laughs> just so you know. Just so you know. Uh, that's yeah. got to be interesting. Do, you, um, do those things come to you? Help us understand how that happens. Do you have to concentrate on that or do they just come to you? No, they just show up. And yeah. it's like, boom, then there it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I if somebody comes in specifically looking for something, then sometimes I may take a minute to connect. But like a, a ghost is, is like a person, right? You know, sometimes you pick up the phone and you call and they're not home. And so you don't get to talk to them. And, you know, sometimes you pick up the phone and you call and they're there. And sometimes the, you tell them, oh, we're going to be here at this time doing this thing because they follow the person around and they know. And sometimes they show up early. So like um, back in when I had my retail store and I was doing this, uh, a woman called up and scheduled a mediumship session with me back in the day. And back when I was selling them, I don't sell them anymore. And um, and she said, I want to talk to my grandmother, I think. And I was like, okay. And so an hour before this woman's appointment, this grandmother is there and she's just haranguing me. <laughs> she's like, you got to tell her she ain't going to find that ring. She ain't going to find that ring. You got to tell her she ain't going to find Now the woman had said nothing about a ring, not a word. And she's just like, you got to tell her she ain't going to find that ring over and over and over again for an hour. I'm like, she is not going to be here no. for an hour. I will tell her when she gets here, I heard you, please stop. So it's like Whoopi Goldberg and um, you yes. know, uh, what, I can't remember the song she was singing over and over and over yes. again. I'm Henry the Eighth. I am. Yes, that's it. Yep. Yeah. I. I. Uh, the moment she walked in the door, because the woman was like screaming at me, I said, "I just need to tell you before you go any further that your your person is here and she is saying that you aren't going to find the ring." <laughs> and the woman's jaw dropped and she's like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. the whole reason she scheduled the session. <laughs> Holy smokes. That was pretty crazy. That's gotta be, I mean, it, from, from a, a deep soul feeling, I guess that has got to be really satisfying for you to be able to uh, deliver messages like that, or to be able to help get somebody get closure or to help, somebody move forward and away from something because, you know, it's, I've understood uh, from both professional and personal side of people that in this job, this one more thing before you go podcast of so many people that um, have not gotten closure, they weren't able to say what they wanted to say or get to hear what they wanted to hear. You know, yeah. they didn't get to say, I love you. They didn't get to say, I miss you. I was proud of you. Or they didn't get, you know, didn't get to hear it kind of right. a thing. So it's got to be satisfying, I would guess. I, it is. Um, as I said, I don't do a lot of it anymore. I was, I was told by a reader uh, years ago that if I wanted to, I could be a world class uh, medium and you know be famous in the whole nine yards. And I was like, I worked for a medium for a year or so as his assistant years years ago, and I didn't want to be working with grieving people all the time, and so I opted out. I was like, yeah, I don't want that path. So, yeah, I was like, eh, I really want more joy in my life. I don't want to be dealing with grieving people all the time. Once or, in a while, fine. But or somebody yelling at not, you, uh, 
leave them alone. Yeah, somebody screaming at me. Yeah, no, I have no better way. boundaries now. They don't get away with that. <laughs> they don't even get into my house now without permission. So this works. This works. Yeah. So you tell me about uh, how you got your business started. Oh well, I started my business back in two thousand six. Uh, in in this form, the coaching business. I, I ran a retail store for a couple of years in uh, 99 to 2001. And um, I started it because coaching is who I am. You know, it's just, uh, I actually literally have high school yearbook signatures that read like client testimonials. It's That's kind of amazing. terrifying. Oh, and I have to say this: I, it, it realistically, uh, honestly, I, I talk to a lot of coaches um, throughout this job right here in some a lot mm -hmm. in this podcast. Uh, but you have a very unique approach to coaching. It's not just a life coach. It's not just a this coach. You're a transformational coach, which means yeah. you allow people to transform into something more positive or different than where they were which yes. I appreciate from the, from this perspective because I, I love sharing that with people. That this brings yeah. an opportunity for you to transform your life into something different. Yeah, well, and, and to become more powerful in your own life because, you know, the, the key, the very first step is to, to heal from whatever's happened before. I mean, nobody's lived a perfect life where they didn't have any trauma or damage, right? And so the very first step is to heal. And the healing process requires stepping into your own power and stepping into your your solid sense of self and getting to feel comfortable in your own skin and, and getting all of that baggage that you've got down to neatly labeled carry-on size with a nice little toolkit on top so that you know how to work on it when it shows up because you're never done. You know, we're, we're never done. I'm still doing my work. I'm, I'm working on an identity up level as we speak, you know, and I expect to be doing that forever. You know, it's that's half the fun. Right. I think we're all growing so, and changing and and at least and seeking to grow and change. You know, I've, I've I've had to evolve my life numerous times. And, you know, even at, now I'm evolving and changing to a specific point. In fact, ironically enough. When I grew up, my father uh, was a journalist and I grew up in a newsroom and he wanted me to be a, a newspaper guy, a journalist, just like him. And he was also an alcoholic. So I associated that with that. And mm -hmm. for the longest time, I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to be a cop instead. And, and I went on to be a cop and that kind of my, was my career. And without giving my, way, my age away too much, but we'll say more than five decades later, um, I, I'm back to going, ah, you know, I got a clean path this year. I made a concerted intention this year to finish three books that I've been wanting to write. And I made the positive choice in order, my, uh, my intention to make that happen this year. So ironically enough, I found myself after I took me over five decades to clear all that junk out. I'm reverting all the way back to say, hey, it's okay to be a writer. Writers make an alcoholic, you know, and kind right. of let, let go of that kind of crap. And we'll say, yeah. and, and kind of thing. it's interesting how, you know. I would argue, I would argue that you, you did follow the path. You just followed differently. 
he was a truth seeker and you became a truth seeker in a different way. That works. Yeah, I think I, I appreciate that, actually. It, because yeah. I, I had to come to, um, we'll talk after this for a minute, just stuff I don't want to share on here, but um, no no questions, but something I just want to share after we get done with this conversation yeah. in regard to that. But yeah, it's uh, it has been a journey. And mm-hmm. throughout that journey, I've learned many, many things and I've learned to let go of certain things. Like, look, I was, when I retired, Okay, I was calling in so many calls that the guys were going, Sarge, you're making more arrests than you did when you were on the job. You can relax. <laughs> Put your feet up, you know. I see something, call it in. See something, call it in. <laughs> you know, I had to kind of kind of work away from that and, and, and kind of reinvent my life. And I, I appreciate, that's why I appreciate so much what you do. Because you allow people the opportunity who are afraid to transform and they transform into something that they that yeah. they needed to be or want to be, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I love working with it on the individual level and I love working with it on the business level because there's, there's three things that I've studied in my life and it's, it's personal growth for myself and, and, you know, the spirituality and the energetics and things like that. Uh, you know, what makes other people tick and mm. business. Those have been my passions in my life and I've Ooh. been studying all of them for you know decades and so you know working with the business energetics of things as well is super fun for me because then I get to look at you know why is your business stuck you know what in your energy field is keeping your business stuck you know you want to take your business from this level to that level and you know what what do you need to do in your identity to change how you see yourself to be the person who's running this level business as opposed to the lower level business right and how do we facilitate that shift for you and what's in the way, right? Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Another thing that's amazing is we keep talking about all these decades behind us and decades behind us. We both look great for 39 years old. I know, right? It's, exactly. It is just for the record. It's in, it's in audio now. It's on video. So for the record, let's talk a little bit about your business and how to heal the blocks that keep us from receiving and moving forward. Yeah, well, and that's the the steps that I was talking about earlier, the the finding emotional safety and then solidifying your sense of self and then moving into clearing the shadow work and, and the buttons and the triggers that send us flying, right? So that's, that's the stages of healing that you work through uh, before you begin to do any sort of uh, advanced energy work in the back end, right? Which is the the... Once you have gotten yourself to a place where you feel solid, right, then you have a whole new realm of opportunities that are available to you where you can utilize energetics, where you can utilize your personal power and your intentions to move yourself forward in a more powerful and empowered way. And so, you know, I do a lot of that work with people. Uh, you know, I walk them through the stages of healing. That's the very first steps. And basically what I've done there is I spent 25 years figuring this stuff out for myself. And that's one of the hardest things about the spiritual world is that there isn't a curriculum. In fact, I'm actually writing a book that is the curriculum right now because there isn't one. And everybody keeps asking me and I'm like, okay, I'll just write it. Right. And, um, So, you know, figuring out what it is that you need to do in order to heal is one of the hardest things. Uh, It takes the most time. 
And so the process of finding that path is, is a long and arduous one. And so I spent 25 years doing this work for myself and just writing down everything that worked as I went. And that became the programs that I teach today. And that 25 year process, what took me 25 years and uh, I don't want to talk about how much money, <laughs> oh my God, so much money. Um, but that process that took me all of that time and money, uh, it has been condensed down into what you can get through now in two and a half years. And that's a super effective process from that perspective. Yeah, very cool. And, and you also, do you, we have to talk again when you get that book published, okay? Yes. Please. Um, yeah. What, uh, you also have a podcast that you... I do. Yeah, Spirit Sherpa. Uh, so spiritsherpapodcast.com or uh, on any podcast player, it's Spirit Sherpa. And it's uh, the guide to energy magic in the spirit world. And so it's interesting because I actually started that podcast because what I found was that as people were going into their process, they would get lost for two to five years on the bright and shiny Right. So you come in because you were in pain. You're looking for the magic pill and in the spiritual world to, to fix your pain. And then you go, ooh, crystals, ooh, tarot cards, ooh, angels, ooh, you know, healing. Ooh. And then, you know, two to five years later, you're just like still going, blah, 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 blah. And then you go, wait a minute, wait, I'm still not happy. What happened? I lost it. Right. And so I actually started the podcast with the intention of shortening that distance for people to, you know, the amount of time it takes to binge 15 or 20 episodes. And you're like, okay, here's, here's the cool, bright and shiny stuff. And by the way, I'm going to remind you that you came here because you weren't happy. You weren't happy. You weren't happy. Mm -hmm. and here's, here's some pieces around how to be happier. And here's what your focus needs to be. And I know this is bright and shiny, but this is what you want. Right. And so, uh, you know, the interesting thing is, is I thought it was going to be for newbies. And then I had a whole bunch of friends who were like, oh, my God, I love your podcast. And I'm like, why? <laughs> because they were all more advanced. They'd all been studying for much longer. And they said, oh, no, no, no. You are taking every single thing we've ever taken a two hour class on in our entire lives. And you're stitching it all together into this big worldview that I just never knew existed. And I was like, I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right like, there in the, in the palm way. of your hand. All right there in the and palm I, of your hand. Right. You know, I mean, I, I do. I see it that way in my head. I just didn't realize that I was actually doing it on the podcast. So, yeah. yeah and and that gives, yeah, I think they are podcast wonderful. They, they are. That's a, that's a I, I love it. I all. really do. I love doing it. It's it's so much fun for me and I get to meet the best people. Like I'm doing a, a I'm doing a series this year on the seven deadly sins with Pastor G from TikTok. Do you I don't, do I don't know that. I I you know my TikTok against consists of starting to go through there and getting so addicted that my wife says, "Can you put that thing down because I keep watching video after video after video." I love the TikTok. I love it. It's like, I'm, I'm obsessed. Yeah. I love TikTok because my, it's such a positive platform, right? Well, it is. Yeah. My, and my oldest daughter, actually, uh, she went viral a couple of times on TikTok. So really, I, I did watch that. She, she, um, she's a big time Disney nut, just huge. Her husband works for Disney and um, she had worked for Disney for a short period of time. And 
they do these dapper dawn days, something, forgive me, Caitlin, um, <laughs> call it dapper something or other where they, you know, they, they get to dress up and they go, everybody, everybody dresses up like, like the forties and the fifties and things like that. And then they do these other things where they have, uh, like the Marvel universe and, you know, those kind of things. And she dressed up as the, and again, forgive me. Scarlet Witch. Thank you. That's what I was going to say at Caitlin, that just so Caitlin, if she's listening to this, I was, I was going to say Scarlet Witch. Um, she dressed up as Scarlet Witch and then her and another friend of hers that actually was in the show, Caitlin was not, but she was, you were supposed to dress up. And mm -hmm. um, she, they had this interaction between her and, uh, I wish I could remember these characters' names. She's going to be really upset at me for not remembering everybody. But Yelena Belova? Another woman. I can yeah, give you women right. names. I, I think <laughs> I know it's probably that. I love the Marvel it, Universe. They had this interesting conversation back and forth, and um, it was like a bantering, and the bantering mm -hmm. went so well uh, that it went viral. And then she did another one, and it went viral. So I'm very proud of her. She went viral and took nice. her a couple of times. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. you know the the podcasts, the TikToks, they're just fun. Oh, exactly. And, yeah. We get to talk to people from all over the world and uh, we get to share wisdom like you've just done here. And we get to share uh, journeys, life journeys like you've just done here. And uh, we get to meet some fantastic people like I've just met you. See, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. 100%. Um, yeah. I want to thank you, Kelly, very much for sharing your journey with me, sharing your wisdom, like we just said, and sharing the opportunity for people to move forward in their life. I will make sure that uh, the, in the show notes, all of the information to contact you will be in the show notes and on the bio on the website before you go podcast.com, as well as in the show notes. So thank you very much for being a guest. I really appreciated meeting you and I've had a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I'll come back anytime. Well, this this is one more thing before you go. So okay. if, if, is there any word, are there, not is there, are there any words of wisdom that you would like to share with us uh, before we go? Tapping into the energy of people who are going to be listening. Um, there's a moment in time that is yours. And each of us has a few distinct moments that are pivotal moments for us in our lifetimes. And so many of us right now are coming up on those moments. And so the key is to not fritter them with self-doubt and worry and worrying about your worthiness and your deservingness. If it shows up for you, it's meant to be yours. Grab the golden ring and take it. Those are amazing words of wisdom. I really appreciate that. Again, Kelly, thank you very much. And I will be talking to you soon. All right. I'll look forward to it. This has been one more thing before you go. I really appreciate you very much for joining us on this conversation. I appreciate you all. Don't forget to go to the App Store or the Google Play Store and download our free app, One More Thing Before You Go podcast where you can hold and have a unique access to everything, one more thing before you go, in the palm of your hand. It is provided and developed by Superpass, our sponsor. If you love us as much as we love us, please support us 
uh, we have merchandise available, cups and hats and all that good stuff. It helps to support us and keep us bringing you more content. And it is unique to one more thing before you go. It's inspiring and motivational. Please tell someone what you want to say before you leave them. It's always important to say that one more thing before we go or before they go. We're going to have an exciting year coming up ahead. Please subscribe and follow us on all the platforms that you are able to, including YouTube and Amazon and Spotify and all the rest. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.